Jackson. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is Alan K Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Happy Monday morning here in the capital city, 28 degrees. Roads are still a little bit slick for myself coming in. I'm Caleb Henry. Jack Mitchell is out today and tomorrow, but that does mean we have Doug Fitzgerald from One Shot One Live sitting in with us in here in the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante studio. And of course, always Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom. Good morning, Mark. Morning. Right over here in the other room. Yeah, the other one. All the way over there, donning all of your Chiefs gear. <laughs> well, not all of it, but at least a sweatshirt. Yeah, at least at least part of it in celebration. I remember you had a, a Chiefs party the first year that I'd been here. That's right. Super Bowl party. Super Bowl party. Yeah, yeah they, they seem to make a habit of going there. And that, that actually, that would have been against the 49ers. Yes, it was. Really? That that's kind of wow. four years ago. You had you had Chiefs Forty ers in the yeah. uh, the Super Bowl back in twenty twenty, right before everything shut down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and now you get Chiefs Forty ers into that Super Bowl again. I know there there's a large crossover of Husker fans, and you can see why. It's right down the road. You're you're close to Kansas City, as close as you are to any other NFL franchise. So there's a lot of Chiefs fans in the area. Presumably very happy today, heading back to another Super Bowl. Absolutely. Now, for uh, for for Doug, as you, you step in, I know it's a little <laughs> bit earlier for you. Uh, as I mentioned there, there were some people that had messaged me this morning. Roads were a little slick for me uh, yeah, the, the, in, in a couple of spots still. Not near as bad as last week when we talked about some of the slick roads, but, but still not 100% just get it, up and go. And it can sneak up on you, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. when, when you don't expect it. It's when it... Uh, it's the refreeze. I mean, we're down. We were down to twenty-five. I think we're at twenty-eight now, something like that. But that's still enough with the refreeze. And there's pretty heavy um, uh, frost in areas too. Mm-hmm. Then that can be a little bit slick as well. So, especially the side roads. That's the coming out of the neighborhoods. I slid almost right through the stop sign there coming out of our yeah. our neighborhood. So, got to watch out. <laughs> you know, you get the old pump, the brake pumps going, the yeah. automatic. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're awake this morning. Yeah, I, and I made join it. Us. Yep. Uh, Mark, I, I know it's, was it a, a quieter weekend or what, what all did we happen? I know that one of the things that I saw over the weekend was the uh, Nebraska GOP endorsements. <laughs> or, yeah. And, and none of them going to incumbents. Right. Anybody that has a challenger, the challenger, any of the incumbents that have a challenger. Which is three of them. Uh, three of the five. Right. They all got endorsed by the state GOP. First time ever. That was that was very interesting. Was that the examiner who had that? Yes. Yeah, that that's a very interesting read on yeah. that whole process, on the change in their, the way they do their endorsement process, and then the fact that none of those endorsements went to incumbents. Yeah, they endorsed uh, opponents to Senator Ricketts, uh, to uh, Don Bacon, and Adrian Smith. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about before, Adrian Smith has been out there in District Three for uh, since 2006 election. Yeah, I mean, some people say Congressman for life, uh, Adrian Smith. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's he's done well for that district. They like him, so yeah. I saw in the. Um 
the senator recognition dinner or luncheon that they're having that they disinvited or uninvited or didn't invite some of the candidates. Is that correct? Oh, I I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter feed last night. Oh. little back and forth. Mm. Well, I wouldn't be a bit surprised given the rancor that's uh, between some of the... Uh, I mean, this goes back to the, the party shift, uh, uh, the power shift last year. Yeah. And, I mean, let's face it. They were uh, not happy with the Ricketts faction. And so they basically uh, took over the party. And this is their way of being angry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very interesting. And what else? Uh, anything folks need to know this morning uh, other than, than roads where we're at here this morning? Well, I, th- I think there was a couple other pieces of legislation last week. Uh, one by uh, Senator or, um, yeah, Senator Blood mm-hmm. uh, on, that would give uh, military and veterans uh, some, some better recognition on health services and things like that. And then uh, Senator Lauren Lippincott is uh, talking about, I believe he has introduced uh, a bill that would make nitrogen hypoxia uh, a form of ex- a lethal execution in the state. Oh, yeah, and we, we just saw... Just saw Alabama do Alabama, that. So yeah. We'll see where that one goes as we go on through the uh, rest of the legislative session. Didn't uh, Senator Megan Hunt try to make an amendment to that one? You know, I I have I haven't read all the way through that. So I thought I had seen. So I apologize if I'm incorrect this morning, but that Senator Megan Hunt had tried to add uh, amend the bill, suggesting a legislative firing squad that would require members of the unicameral to physically carry out capital punishments themselves. Uh, yeah, I don't think that one will go very far. But yeah, I don't think so either. That was uh, I saw Marlo Lundak from uh, uh, WWT had tweeted yeah. that out last night. Yep. Uh, she won't get a bang out of that one. Nope. 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 <laughs> uh, what, what else? Anything big happen over the weekend, Mark? Well, there was a, a fairly significant accident. We're, tra- we're going to probably get complete details at briefing today, but uh, shut down, uh, I believe it was a part of South Street. Mm-hmm. 13-year-old rolled several times, took out uh, uh, some power poles, and uh, not only uh, was he not injured badly, but rolled three or four times, mm-hmm. uh, and then cited for DUI at 13. Hmm. So, was right. he the only one in the car? Uh, those the, we, we don't know. We haven't gotten much details on this one. Uh, that's why I'm deferring to the briefing today. <laughs> so there was nothing on the, the blotter that indicated the number of passengers or anything like that. Yeah, that's... That's wild. Uh, coming up this morning, obviously we'll get to the sound off here in about 20 minutes. We'll also have Tom's talk at the end of the hour. 7.10, we will be talking with Chris Blum from the Heartland Cancer Foundation. They've got the Mardi Gras Gala coming up in just a couple of weeks. I will be the MC for that. Your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management at 7.35 at 8.10. I know the newsroom, Mark, caught up with him, but we will have University of Nebraska Interim President Chris Kaborik in studio as well to uh, to talk a little bit. He also talked with uh, Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald, had a nice write-up there. There's also uh, Chase Porter's write-up at KLIN.com where he was able to catch up with him. And then at 8.35, Mike Schaefer. It's always nice when we can get the, the higher-ups to come in studio, Mark. Absolutely. I mean, uh, President Ted Carter was in uh, well, probably about four months after he uh, took mm-hmm. office. Uh, Chris Kaborik just completing his first month as interim president, uh, a couple of days away. 
and and uh, they've he's really been has hit the ground running, so to speak. So, I mean, he's been part of the university system for twenty what twenty seven years. I yeah, think. since ninety seven. So yeah, that's coming up, and so he's he's well versed in it. He's chief financial officer, so he knows the ins and outs of the finances. So, uh, yeah, and uh, great uh, great PR going on as he uh, finishes his first month. Yeah, it's always nice when when folks are accessible and you don't because when when people aren't that that le- lends itself to questions right when it goes all right well we have to fill in the blank with assumptions because we, we never hear right. from someone uh but when you can get face to face and ask some of those questions and i know that he's been upfront about this so we'll, we'll talk with him about this in that 810 segment but he's not there just keeping a seat warm yeah. like he he's he's active in this interim role yeah, and and of course the search on for uh, chancellor at the UNK. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a lot going on with the new chancellor here at UNL and yep. and uh, all these projects going on. Doug's got uh, you've got some inroads at the university. I mean, you do some work with them, don't you? Uh, a little bit of work, yeah. And so, so you, you you haven't seen much slowdown, I would would assume. No, it's <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to hear from him though. I'm I'm curious to hear where he's at, what his platform is, and what he wants to go with it. And um, the one thing there's you- a lot of growth and and the finances too. That's the other thing we were talking about, Caleb, earlier is university athletic department bringing in the most money they've ever brought in. So mm-hmm. to see how that works and where that goes, and obviously if he's top in finance he'll hopefully give us some light into what's going on right yeah that that's uh that'll be an interesting uh, topic I, th- I thought it was interesting when uh, chase talked to him uh, last week that uh, he said that president uh, ted carter left quite a plan in place and they are actively working that plan mm-hmm. so you know, yeah they're, they're- i don't think there was something and, and sometimes it might feel this way for folks when you're when somebody's leaving that you're 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 kind of spurned by him, but I think Ted Carter, on his way out, was still trying to put in the best work that he could for the University of Nebraska system with all of those plans and make sure it was still set up for success. I don't think there was a lot of coasting in the last month for no, him. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> uh, Mark, as I, I look at our handy dandy in studio weather, am I seeing Wednesday right? Yes, sixty four. Uh, well, that's what uh, our in you know, but what was it about three weeks ago? They were saying we were going to be in the eighties. Uh, the National Weather Service not quite that. Uh, <laughs> let me see what Wednesday with the National Weather Service. They're a little more um, how should I say conservative mm-hmm. when it comes to weather, and my computer is being conservative with. <laughs> well, I, the, the the optimistic one that we tend to look at has today with a high of 51, Tuesday 49, Wednesday 64, Thursday 52, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all mid-40s. National Weather Service is mostly sunny on Wednesday and 52, so there's a 12-degree uh, discrepancy. I mean, I'll still take 52, take but I, I'll I'd, take yesterday I think was I awesome. definitely like 64. <laughs> yeah. so I'd like, we, you've got... Softball is already underway with their practice. Baseball just got underway with their practice Friday, and there's there's snow all over the place here in Lincoln. <laughs> They're trying to get all all of that underway. I I just which is nice when when you talk about like when we're going to talk with uh, University of Nebraska interim president Chris Kaborik and a lot of the the financials and, yeah. and where things are facility wise, not just athletics but within athletics, baseball is able to utilize that Hawks Championship Center. So so you're indoors for your practices, and I know softball gets to do a lot of stuff in there as well. 
But that's got to be tough. You're you're going through. You might get outside once, if that. That's the joy of living in Nebraska playing baseball. Yeah, the joy of playing baseball in Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Open your season down south is where you do it. We've got the city campus. We've got the east campus. Do we need a south campus like in uh, Fort Worth? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. That might not be a bad idea. Uh, Mark, and anything else we need to know from no, the newsroom this that's, morning? That's, uh, that's about it. Uh, finding out a little bit more on uh, United Airlines uh, leaving the market from uh, Lincoln to Houston. But we also found out late last week that uh, they're planning on adding the flight a flight or two to Chicago and to Denver. And probably going to be at least one of those flights each way will be in a larger aircraft. So we'll have the, the multiple uh, class of service. So rather than just the regional jets. Okay. So that that will be a big help for a lot of people because uh, some of the regional jets are a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I think that's a fair statement, isn't it? Uh, that's fair. I I would definitely say that's fair. Not that not that airline seats in and of themselves are all that comfortable anyway, but those <laughs> especially that 50 seat uh, Embraer just it's a little tough. Uh-huh. Speaking of planes, Lincoln on the national scene. I don't know if you noticed last night. Um, Lincoln had two uh, military refueling jets take off from Lincoln and join four others from California going overseas. So as things heat up uh, across the sea, you know Lincoln's base here and uh, uh, sending planes and servicemen over there to help uh, with that endeavor. It'll be interesting to see how that all pans out over the next few weeks. Actually, next few hours, most likely. <laughs> yeah, so. if they left last night, they're uh, they're approaching that area already. Yeah. So, Oh, and did you see the news that uh, the Lincoln-Kawasaki plant, uh, Kawasaki is featuring an item that's produced here in Lincoln in a Super Bowl lab. No, I missed that. Yeah, they have a utility vehicle, and, and it's made here in Lincoln, and they've actually got a 30-second ad that they are going to be running in the Super Bowl. Huh. Wow. Kawasaki, so. I, I also saw over the weekend a, a, a new Scotty McCreary music video, which includes a lot of sights from Volleyball Day in Nebraska. That's right. He, he was the... Uh, the afterthought. <laughs> yeah. he, 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 well, he, he was. He was. He was. I don't. I don't think anyone needs to apologize. He just. He was. But then, even for me, because I was like, "All right, how? What are two thousand people going to stick around for this?" No, he put. <laughs> he put on a great show as soon as that thing was done. He he got it going. So uh, nice to see Volleyball Day in Nebraska still coming up with a lot of things as uh, that's now several months into the past. And and the Omaha Club really seems to be you know that that franchise is really taken off too yeah there, there's and this is something that we'll still wait to see as, as we talked last week what is going to be the staying power with the attendance because so, you, you saw a lot of these other places max out a little bit it was 7500 here 5000 there but that was kind of where they were capping where their ticket sales were so Obviously, in in Omaha, they got just shy of twelve thousand. What is that staying power going to be as these matches continue? Is it still going to be in Omaha ten thousand plus, or is it going to to start to fade now that it's not that inaugural, that very first event? Well, but you know, being Nebraska's only professional sports team, oh for sure, that's got to carry at least a little bit of of draw for uh, people. And uh, you know, let's face it, this is a volleyball state. Yeah, yeah, and there's there are a lot of folks that are season ticket holders, purchase season tickets for the Omaha Supernovas. 
And they're a few hours away. Kind of the same thing you see with with Nebraska Athletics is that you'll have folks that are season ticket holders for women's basketball, and they live in Ogallala. Like that's yeah. that that's a thing that you see here in the state. How long is the season? How long does it run? I don't it's a couple know. of months. Two months. Yeah, it's a couple. Well, that's of That's kind of nice, actually. Months. Run through what through March, April? I think so. I'd have to look back up on it. We we've been so focused on seeing when that very first date yeah. was and how yeah. the, the the opening was going to go for them. That's good. <clears throat> um, since we got a couple of minutes here, Mark, thank you so much yep. uh, this by the, morning. By the way, over the weekend, uh, I, I made a chicken salad. Yeah? I found out that they prefer green. <laughs> Me too. Uh, since we do have you in here, thanks, Mark. Uh, Doug Fitzgerald from One Shot, One Life. We haven't had you on the morning show in, in it's, it's been, been a, a few months. Yeah. Uh, so, again, thank you for waking up this sure. morning. But in, in case folks haven't heard, and I know it got preempted this last weekend, but One Shot, One Life continuing to roll on at 11 a.m. Yeah. every Saturday right here on KLIN. What, what are the, some, some of the conversations you've had? Where, where are you at as well with syndicating? Yeah. Last time you were in here, I think we had one in New York. Right. Yep, but Water- but I think you're growing. Yeah, Watertown, New York, and syndication's a whole other animal, right? I didn't know anything about it, um, but I was told it's going to take time. And you know, as program director, right, you have to wait for openings of stations for your show to be picked up. And so we've been fortunate the last uh, two months. We've picked up stations in San Diego, uh, Abilene, Texas, uh, Colorado Springs is our newest one. We also have stations in Nashville, Tennessee now, Watertown, New York, Lincoln, obviously, our uh, flagship station here at KL. So it's been good. And yeah, the, the shows have been great. Uh, one of our, you know, first of all, Caleb, you look great. I've been noticing, you know, you, you oh, lost thanks. some weight. I saw some of the, the some of your uh, social media posts thank on you, that. Thank you, Lincoln Weight Loss. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we had one of the biggest losers. I don't know if you remember that show. Uh-huh. Last season of Biggest Loser, um, um, one of the contestants who lost by one one hundredth of a pound. It was a great interview um, because our, our conversation didn't go the direction I was intending. And she talked about just how being overweight is a a disease that people carry with them because you have to eat, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no way of getting away from that. Uh, Raven and her mother, um, we had them on this last weekend. She was sex trafficked in the small town of Kansas during the pandemic, and nine other girls were targeted by a cartel in Houston, Texas. This gets me all riled up. Mm -hmm. But um, I got into touch with them because of I've Got a Name, local organization, ending sex trafficking here in Lincoln and Nebraska. So that's a great show as well if you want to listen on the podcast and also we'll probably be re-airing that show specifically just because of the nature of it Mm -hmm. and the power of the message because it just translates across the country so yeah thanks for letting me share about that but yeah it's it's been fun uh we keep picking up steam and excited to see where it goes in the future and thank you for being part of that because you helped us develop it helped us uh, produce a lot of the intro outros get the thing on the air get it kicked off uh and now it's kind of fun to to watch it grow and if if folks want to hear any past episodes can they they head out Jump on the podcast, One Shot, One Life. There you go. Uh, Happy to have you awake with us this morning, Doug. uh, Sound off around the corner. Chris Blum from the Heartland Cancer Foundation Morning Drive. Chris Kaborik from the uh, the interim president for the University of Nebraska system, as well as Mike Schaefer. All of that coming up. This is Alan K. Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Anderson. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. We're about 20 minutes away from Tom's talk. I know that's a really good one he's got this week. Doug Fitzgerald in studio with me as Jack Mitchell is out for the next couple of days. Uh, Tom sat down with Des Moines Adams, yeah, former Husker, as well as his wife in the 911 dispatcher. Uh, uh, scary. Like, very scary uh, sometimes when, when these things come up. But Tom went in and uh, he talked with Des Moines and, and it it's a must listen here yeah. in about 20 minutes. Super guy. I love Des Moines. Good yeah, guy. So, uh, Tom Stan always do- doing a good job with his Tom's Talk. If you ever miss any of those, we've got them on the podcast page at KLIN.com as well. Well, I grabbed a lot of sound off clips, so let's go ahead and dive into those. If if you were maybe under a rock over the weekend, you may have um, missed it, but most likely you didn't. Iran says it had nothing to do with an attack that killed three U.S. service members in Jordan. Despite over 150 strikes against U.S. forces since the war between Israel and Hamas began, this was the first to prove fatal. Three dead and at least 34 wounded in a drone strike on Jordan's border with Syria. President Joe Biden promised to respond to what he called radical Iran-backed militant groups. But Iran insists it's not involved, describing the perpetrators of these attacks as resistance groups. Concerns remain the war in Gaza could escalate across the region. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Well, and then in that same area, Iran has executed four men that it says had links to the Israeli spy agency. The official Iranian news agency says the men plan to bomb a factory producing missile and defense equipment. It's alleged the operation was ordered by the Israeli intelligence agency Mossad, which we're told provided training. The four men were all Iranian, and although we haven't been told how they were killed, Iran usually conducts executions by hanging. Iran doesn't recognize Israel, which suspects Tehran of plotting to build nuclear weapons. Iran accuses Israel of killing its officials and scientists, something Mossad neither confirms nor denies. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Sticking with uh, a little bit of overseas news, the head of NATO does plan to meet this week with American officials about Ukraine funding. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg plans to talk with U.S. defense officials and members of Congress this week to encourage further funding of Ukraine's defense. Stoltenberg said on Fox News Sunday the importance of support extends globally. This is closely watched uh, in Beijing, so it's not only making Europe more vulnerable, but all of us, also the United States, more vulnerable. Uh, if uh, Putin gets what he wants. Stoltenberg says he realizes Ukraine funding is being tied to U.S. border security. He says how each ally deals with its own border issues 
is not for NATO to advise on how to navigate. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. That's a whole mess of worms for NATO as soon as now you bring it into, and we're in an election year, funding for Ukraine <laughs> and any deals made on potential border security. This is not good, my friend. This is not good. This whole thing is not good. We're, we are spread thin. We can't recruit for our military. We're in Jordan. We've got We've got dead soldiers over there and dozens injured. We've got, we're in Israel, Palestine, Taiwan. We've got a ship over there now, Russia, Ukraine, Mexican border. This does not end well. That's all I got to say. This does not end well. We got to prepare for that personally. I think our families locally stay, you know, stay, mm-hmm. stay informed what's going on because the next few hours, in my opinion, the next few weeks are going to be, it's going to change our country. It's going to change our country. And it's, it's tough trying to police the world. You can't, yeah, you can't do it. And we're going to lose more lives in the process. We've been at war with Iran for weeks. We're just not reporting it. Mm-hmm. And we've been bombing them for weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, we have, you know, have a few dead soldiers, and now, all of a sudden, it's in the news. Uh, and I don't know where it goes, because I don't know. I'm, I'm not confident at all in the leadership that we have, at all. Um, and when you have it spread so thin, you can't do, you, you do too many things, right, Caleb? You do too many things and you don't do them well. You got to do, you got to do a few things well. Mm-hmm. And right now I think we're just, um, we're asking for, um, I think we're asking for trouble, um, deeper than we think. And like you said, with it being the election year, that also adds in a whole <laughs> nother twist, right? Well, it, to motives behind everything. It does. And the Republican presidential race, it's down to two people, former U S ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley insists it's going to stay that way. Ambassador Haley says no one, not even the GOP itself can anoint someone to the nomination. Haley reiterated on NBC's Meet the Press the two states that have voted so far can't decide before the rest of America has its say. It's 1,215 delegates to reach the nomination. Donald Trump has 32. I have 17. So let's let this play out. Former President Trump feels resounding wins in Iowa and New Hampshire have all but assured him the Republican nomination. The South Carolina primary, which could make or break Haley's campaign, is less than a month away. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Did you have it down to, to Trump and Haley at this point? I thought Vivek might have made it through, but mm-hmm. he kind of crashed and burned. DeSantis, I wasn't too confident in. Um, but now it's now it's those two, and I think she'll drop out soon. She's yeah, going to but, She's going to get twisted. But Ramaswamy getting out, now he's all on Trump's good side. Oh, yeah. He's, they're buddy-buddy. <laughs> <laughs> huge buddy-buddy. Even this weekend, he's been doing some huge campaigning for him. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that. And he's bashing Haley, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't view... I, yeah. like, he is like, he doesn't, he's not holding any punches. I think Trump has him out there like just go attack yes they attack dog so do you know what begins today it's not a fun day for a lot of us it's the beginning of tax season (laughs) that's when the irs will start accepting and processing 2023 federal income tax returns the filing deadline for most people is april 15th if you miss that deadline and don't file for an extension you could face heavy penalties there you go. Yeah. They're way behind, by the way, too. I had, um, I think on the Dan Parsons show, I had uh, an, a local accountant mm-hmm. um, talking about just how far behind the IRS is in processing last year's returns, let alone this year. Now they're accepting it, and, and there you go. Well, I, and, and if you want to know how much further that'll get behind, the IRS is expecting more than 128 million tax returns filed before april's tax deadline <laughs> there you go that's that's that. gonna be good luck getting <laughs> caught up 
Uh, we mentioned a little bit, but Super Bowl 58 is set. Two franchises very familiar with playing in the Super Bowl will go head-to-head in the desert. The 49ers scored 27 straight points in the second half to erase a 24-7 halftime deficit and beat the Lions 34-31. They head to their eighth Super Bowl in franchise history with a shot to tie the Patriots and Steelers with their sixth title. Travis Kelsey had 11 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown, and the Chiefs' defense forced three Ravens turnovers in a 17-10 win. The champs are headed to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Kelsey now has 156 career playoff receptions, passing Jerry Rice's record of 151. I'm Tim McMaster, Fox News. Yeah, that passing Jerry Rice in anything is insane, but when you're a tight end, passing a receiving record that Jerry Rice held in the postseason. That's that's pretty incredible. He was on fire last night, too. It was fun to watch him. Like well, He was yeah. getting after it. Taylor Swift was and there. Taylor, <laughs> yes, she was. He plays. Did you see that graphic? <laughs> this, this would have been before the playoffs. But in games that she was at versus games she was not at, the difference in his production... What was it? I'm curious about it, that. It, his, I it, thought it would go down. So, so, yeah. that's, what they were, that's what they were reporting. No, no, no. So with her not there... His production was middling, average, like 40 yards a game, maybe, no touchdowns, those types of things. With her there, it's like 80-plus yards and a touchdown. So many, so, ca- so many catches a game. Like so, are you in the conspiracy theory side that uh, the, this Super Bowl has been set up to get Taylor Swift there? I don't think so because if you looked at the conspiracies, they the, the conspiracy theories <laughs> looked at the colors in the logo, which meant that it was supposed to be Ravens Niners. Mm. Now you do get the 49ers there and the Chiefs played against uh 49ers back in 2020 won that Super Bowl. But when you I just it, to me it's not so much an NFL conspiracy get Taylor Swift to the Super Bowl type of thing. I think it just it worked out that way. The the Ravens didn't play very well. Like you got to be you got to be deep into whatever rabbit hole you think is going on because there weren't officials deciding that game in Baltimore. There was Lamar Jackson throwing it a triple coverage. There was Zay Flowers trying to taunt, and then you had the ball don't lie moment a couple plays later of having the ball punched out. Like Those, those types of things yep. that Baltimore did to themselves. I know Mike Schaefer will have a lot more thoughts on the NFL. Uh, Lamar's catch, his own his own catch. That was that pretty was, cool. That was fun. That was pretty fun. That was fun to watch. Uh, if you weren't watching those conference championship games, maybe you were watching some movies in the uh, in theaters. Well, the Beekeeper buzz is its way to first place at the weekend box office. Let's get more on those numbers. The Beekeeper, starring Jason Statham, takes the top spot of the weekend box office, bringing in $7.4 million in its third week in theaters. The only thing you know is he's a beekeeper. A beekeeper, a beekeeper? Well, that's not good. The Beekeeper crossing the $100 million mark globally. Mean Girls falls to second place with $7.3 million. In third place, Wonka pulling in $5.9 million in its seventh weekend. The film starring Timothy Chalamet grossing more than $550 million globally. Paul Stevens, Fox News. Have you seen any of those three yet? I haven't. Do you have any I desire haven't. to see any of those three yet? <laughs> not really. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm interested in seeing Wonka. And then Mean, uh, mean Girls came out, like that That would have hit my generation perfectly, right. that movie coming out. Now this movie is based on the musical, and it sounds like they were not cast based on their singing abilities. <laughs> 
if, if, if TikTok has told me anything over the last couple of weeks. So I may be avoiding Mean Girls. Uh, not interested in not my in Jason Statham's latest whatever. Go be a <laughs> go be a bully in the streets. I don't know what whatever he's doing as the beekeeper. Um, alcohol is said to be sold in Saudi Arabia for the first time in seventy years. Interesting, though it's not for everyone. Under Saudi Arabia's strict Islamic law, selling or drinking alcohol can be punished by fines, jail time, or public flogging. Foreign diplomats bringing a supply in sealed pouches has been an exception, but now a shop will sell booze to a select few. There are conditions. Only foreign diplomatic staff with government pre-clearance will be allowed. They'll have to turn up in person and monthly limits will be in force. Authorities say the new law is meant to counter illicit trade, but it may be seen as a notable change in a country that only recently allowed women to drive. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. All of this is pertinent to us in Lincoln because they're selling alcohol in Saudi Arabia before they are in Memorial That's Stadium. That's what I was just going to say. I didn't know if I wanted to go there, but you went there That's first. Where, so. well, other than a Garth Brooks concert, <laughs> I guess, or anytime there, there's it's, been a big concerts, Farm Aid, whatever. still allow those to... to, to, to <laughs> To smuggle it in in pouches, like that's, I mean, that was a unique way of saying, you know, a little, they might have little baggies in their pockets yeah. of booze. Uh, if you're an Amazon Prime user <laughs> who doesn't use the service only for free shipping, well, get ready to have some ads in your viewing experience. Starting today, Amazon Prime video viewers will start seeing ads. Ads that the tech giant says will allow it to continue investing in compelling content as it follows the business models of other major streaming services. Though Amazon saying it'll aim to have meaningfully fewer ads than other streamers and traditional TV. The new ads on Prime Video are expected to generate billions of dollars in revenue this year. As always, for for Prime Video users who don't want to see ads, there's an option. You'll just have to pay more. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. Always just kind of nickel and diamond us here, aren't they? Keep getting those subscriptions. Uh, little Peacock, little Prime, little... Yeah, a L- little bit here, a little bit there. Same way with gas prices. You tired of gas prices yet? <laughs> Am I? Yeah. They've kind of gone down, haven't they? They can't go down fast enough. <laughs> Cannot go down fast enough. And that's, by the way, that's what a New Jersey man said uh, when he got a great deal on gas in neighboring Delaware right up until police showed up. $1,700 worth of fuel for less than 20 bucks. Kelvin Jerron Brand is accused of manipulating a gas pump at a Wawa gas station in Delaware. State police who responded to a reported fuel theft found a special device fastened to the pump. They also found multiple containers filled with gasoline in the back of Jerron Brand's work van. He was taken into custody without incident and was charged with shoplifting, conspiracy, and possession of burglar tools. According to investigators, multiple Wawa gas stations have been targeted recently. Pam Puso, Fox News. What are burglar tools? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but burglar under, tools. under 20 bucks getting gallons and gallons and gallons. <laughs> old back of his Ooh. truck. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap up with this one, and I think this one would have been really interested, or Jack Mitchell would have been really interested in this one if he wasn't sleeping right now. But the process behind a legendary 1980s pop song will be the subject of a new documentary. 
Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Cindy Lauper, Pat Midler, Billy Joel, Steve Perry, Willie Nelson. The story of the greatest night in pop details what exactly happened during the recording session for We Are the World, featuring never-before-seen footage. The film shows how Lionel Richie, who's also a producer on the film, and Michael Jackson, each of them writing immense successes that year, but never having worked together, co-wrote the now iconic song. The song was an all-night session with the biggest artists of the time on board. The film also features interviews with many who were there, including Richie, Bruce Springsteen, Smokey Robinson, and Huey Lewis. Michelle Polino, Fox News. That interest you? That was the best. I'm, I'm super interested in that, That was the best. I want to I watch, yeah. Uh, Tom's talk just around the corner. Also, Chris Blum from the Heartland Cancer Foundation. Your morning drive. Chris Kaborik and Mike Schaefer all coming up this morning on LNK Today with Jack and Friends at 6.52. Tom's talk with Des Moines Adams just around the corner here on KLIN. Time for Tom's Talk on 1499.3 KLIN. This past week, we saw an example of just how important 911 dispatchers are in helping save people's lives. Former Husker football player Des Moines Adams and his wife Farah came to the 911 center in Lincoln to thank dispatcher Joey Mims for his efforts in saving Des Moines' life. He instructed his wife to give him CPR. On January 13th, I woke up in the middle of the night around 2 a.m. with just some tightness in my chest. Decided to get up and walk toward the restroom and felt myself getting dizzy and lightheaded. Then turned back around and go to the bed, and that's all I remember. Farah Adams picks up the story from there. I hear a loud crash in my bedroom. Flip on the light, my husband is collapsed on the floor. Eyes wide open, and I said, Baby, are you sleepwalking? What's happening? And he was not responsive. So I I immediately knew something was wrong. I called 911. They answered right away. I had them on speakerphone and they could hear my husband gasping for air. It was Mim's voice that was on the other end of that phone. At the address of where they were going, she said that he was kind of in a seizure and that I tried to see if he was breathing normally. She responded, said no. So we attempted to try to get CPR started. He was a little responsive in that time, but we were able to get a quick active response. Farah Adams is an occupational therapy assistant and while she has been trained in CPR. She had never done it until that morning. Very terrifying. Disbelief. I remember telling Joey on 911, he's having a stroke. He's having a stroke because that's what it looked like to me. It seemed very unreal that this was happening to my loved one right in front of me and I would be the one to try to do whatever I could to stop it. She says on top of the emergency that she was dealing with, her 911 call came during a major winter storm. The paramedics and the fire uh, response team made it to our home in record time, carrying all of their equipment through drifts of snow in our yard and in the streets, and were just simply amazing. Adam says she could have never revived her husband without Mim's calming voice on the other end. When you are scared and in shock, it's helpful to have someone count you through it. And he was talking me through it. He said, I want you to count out loud so I can hear you. One and two and three and four as I'm doing the chest compressions. After a few minutes, Des Moines was responsive again. LFR crews arrived and got him to the hospital. It turns out he suffered from a pulmonary embolism 
Adam says he has a small blood clot in his lung. It's small enough to where I can take blood thinners uh, for the next three, six months, and, you know, it'll just dissolve. But in the meantime, uh, really slowing down. I'm not lifting heavy weights, not traveling a lot. This past week, there was a special reunion in that 911 communication center. Des Moines and Farah met Sims in person for the first time to thank him for his life-saving efforts. How you doing, man? I am well and alive. Awesome. That's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I, I just pre- appreciate you for being on the line with my wife. Mm-hmm. My life was on the line, and um, it was a scary moment, but I'm uh, very thankful. Oh, that's wonderful. Mims has been a dispatcher for about a year and a half and says knowing that he can help save a life is gratifying. It's hard to always gauge and know what's happening, but... It's always refreshing when you get that response from the firefighters on scene to hear that they are breathing or at least that there's a pulse so that there's the hope for there to get greater response and advanced life-saving procedures. The 43-year-old Adams is now the CEO of the Teammates Mentoring Program, an organization founded by former coach Tom Osborne. He says teamwork was important for him in football and now realizes the importance of the teamwork he experienced after his medical scare. Just very grateful for the incredible teamwork of 911, the dispatchers, the firemen, incredible teamwork. He is now on the road to recovery and very thankful for a second chance at life. I'm feeling good. I'm doing good. It was a scare a couple weeks ago and very grateful for my wife to have her background with healthcare, but most importantly, just the expertise that 911, the dispatchers, and just the incredible team. They say teamwork makes the dream work, but in this case, Adam says teamwork makes life continue to work. Hear Tom's talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6.55 or listen to the podcast anytime at KLIN.com. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 708, 29 degrees in the capital city. Caleb Henry alongside Doug Fitzgerald, Jack Mitchell out for a couple of days. Happy to have back in studio guy that I met a little over a year ago, executive director for the Heartland Cancer Foundation, Chris Blum. And you've got 
You're staying busy, too. Yes, like, like, yes. As, as a matter of fact, this is probably one of the uh, busier times of the year for you. Correct, it is. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me again the, the, this morning, bright and early. Yeah, that that's <laughs> the other thing. When when you when you say yeah, let's get on morning radio, that means morning radio. Yeah, we we didn't save the uh, the eight thirty five time slot for you. It was seven ten bright and early for you. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, from the Heartland Cancer Foundation, I will be emceeing the Mardi Gras gala coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yes, February seventh. Coming coming up very very quickly, and then a holiday weekend on top of that too. Correct. So so that's going to be exciting. And for those keeping track of where that date is, Nebraska baseball begins their season the day before, and we have our Munch Madness selection show. It's a busy weekend for all of us here. Busy, but, busy. But, but for you and in the Heartland Cancer Foundation, this is this is one of your guys' bigger events yes. over the course of the year. Yes, this is our largest event, uh, February seventeenth, the Cornhusker Marriott. Uh, we will plan on raising around two hundred fifty, two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, depending on how well everybody likes our MC. We, uh, we should be doing pretty well. <laughs> no now, pressure. Now there's pressure on. It. Now, now it's suddenly on me. But, but for you, is is working behind the scenes? How how did you get involved with the Heartland Cancer Foundation? Uh, a little over a couple years, two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, they um, were looking for a new executive director to replace Amy Green, and uh, I applied. Thought it was something that um, would be. Uh, fit my skill set and uh, cancer's touched my life with, uh, with losing some some family members to it and uh, having several friends and and just uh, aligning with the mission of, of helping local cancer patients with their uh, their basic bills the the rent the um, utilities car payment and then gas cards to and from treatment to to help with those expenses so i applied and and they chose me and it's been uh hit the ground running since and uh yeah running uh behind the scenes with the mardi gras making sure we got uh, all the attendees uh the food <laughs> the uh the auction items and got a great group of volunteers our, our impact guild we've got 40 45 members that are uh they're doing 90 percent of the work i just uh, i just get to do the fun stuff like the radio shows uh, and those type of things the, the fun waking up early correct <laughs> so is that the main focus then as far as what you do is helping cancer patients and families uh, just in the process of them going through treatment and yes uh, so we are our main focus is providing uh, immediate financial support for cancer patients here in Nebraska, uh, primarily here in Lincoln, but we uh, give grants to patients in 39 counties. Wow. Uh, we gave out grants to 339 patients this past year. Uh, each grant size was $500. And uh, due to the generosity of our donors and, and having some great uh, uh, great friends this past year, we're actually going to increase that grant size to 750. Mm, wow! Uh, so we really definitely want to raise additional dollars uh, at, at Mardi Gras uh, and throughout the year to to support that. We've never turned any anybody down who's applied, uh, who's qualified, and and who has applied. So uh, we're very proud of that, and we want to continue that. So we we always talk about, especially when it comes to Athletics, because there's a lot of donations that go to say Nebraska athletics, right. and the question always comes up: Where exactly is that money going? Exactly. We, we talk about it now with NIL donating to a collective. Where exactly does that money go? When you talk Heartland Cancer Foundation, somebody says, "Here's fifty dollars," or they sign up for uh, the the Mardi Gras gala or one of these events. They they donate. Where exactly are those dollars going? Uh, Cornhusker Bank on 84th and O Street is where we bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So we're we're headquartered right here in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually founded by a group of doctors uh, from the Cancer Partners of Nebraska. Now uh, they're they're. Former name, I think, was I'm going to mess it all up, so I'm not even going to say it. But uh, <laughs> uh, they they founded it locally, uh, primarily, like I said, to help uh, patients here in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But um, we've expanded and grown throughout the years to support patients in um, throughout Nebraska. So as long as you're a Nebraska resident, uh, but yeah, 100 percent of the the dollars raised stay here locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've got some vendors outside of Lincoln. You know, our our CRM and and everything we do to run the business right. of the foundation. Um, I mean, we write checks to them, but uh, uh, one of our bigger uh, friends and and sponsors is Casey's. Where uh, mm-hmm. that's where we get a lot of the gift cards to provide to patients. They're based in Des Moines, so I think we we send a check to Des Moines. You know, to pay for the gift card, yeah, close <laughs> the gas cards. But uh, <laughs> yeah, all the money stays stays local. One one of the cool things because this will be my third year emceeing this event, and it's the the stories that that come out from. The, there's always a couple of people that that share their stories in front of everyone, but it's the that that time before as well when when you're talking with a lot of people that that help out with the foundation. But like like yourself and, and a lot of people involved, they're touched by it's either somebody that they know or it's themselves personally. There are very few of us. Whether it's those of us in the building right now or somebody listening, very few of us that either have not had cancer or do not even know somebody. Like it, it's almost, it would have to be an anomaly mm-hmm. to be that person right now. Correct. Uh, Eleven thousand uh, Nebraskans will be diagnosed with cancer this year. So, uh, yeah, if you do the math, there's. 1.1 or 1.2 million people in the state, 11,000 of them be diagnosed with cancer just this year. And, you know, and I'm pretty sure it was like 11,000 last year. Uh, we're going to know somebody. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the stories, uh, there's several times throughout, you know, the short time I've been uh, with the foundation that folks have come up to me at different events and things and said, hey, the Heartland Cancer Foundation saved my life or you you helped my dad or you helped my aunt or, you know, you helped a relative. So, mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty pretty impactful that there are folks that, you know, are, are living, you know, our neighbors, our friends, co-workers. Yeah. And it, so last year when I was emceeing, I, I told this story up in front of any uh, in front of everyone and that for myself and my wife to be there, we were extremely fortunate that my parents came and they watched our toddler. My mom's going to come um, watch Millie again this year so my wife and I can go back. But it's having that kind of support system allows us to do those types of things. Not everybody has that. And then you add on top of the fact they have someone fighting cancer. And and so it's maybe that you don't 100% have a support system to cover this and cover that, watch these kids, make sure that's taken care of. And I love how much the Heartland Cancer Foundation steps in in those moments and says, we're going to take care of this part. We're going to eliminate a little bit of what everyone's trying to go through it, it, it like that's not a fun thing people are trying to deal with correct and yeah we try to take the burden off of the patients as much as we can so while we uh, give grants to pay for uh, mortgage or the car payment or the utilities we actually take that one step further and Rochelle essay who's our uh, program 
director. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually pays those bills. She gets in. She works, uh, and that's part of the application process. Uh, she she'll have the mortgage company or the utility company, and she'll pay those bills. Uh, you know, for the patient. So to take that burden off of the the patient or the family member that's helping the patient. Uh, so yeah, it's um, pretty pretty impactful. And then uh, we like I said, the, the gas cards to help with travel expenses to mm-hmm. and from treatment. Uh, usually it's a Casey's card, but sometimes it's a U-stop card or a Super C card here uh, here in Lincoln. Uh, and we know that some of our folks they'll they'll use those gas cards and not only fill up for gas, but you know grab a you know grab a snack or mm-hmm. grab grab a loaf of bread or groceries there you know because it's convenient and and they don't want to have to make an extra trip out to to the grocery store. So how is how is you'd mentioned that cancer affected you and your family? How is it? How how has it? So, uh, so my grandfather, he passed away from cancer before I was even born. So mm-hmm. I, I never met him. And then, uh, my uncle, um, he had a, a, a long battle, 10, 10, 12 years of it. Wow. And, and he was fortunate. He had good insurance. His, his spouse was, uh, employed by Blue Cross Blue Shield. So they had great insurance and, and they had a support network. But I just saw the, uh, the upheaval in their lives that it took where he wouldn't, he wasn't able to work for a long time. And, uh, so it's, just um just looking at that that yeah. yeah that's that's tough and then i've had several several friends who they've had um their their kids their young kids who are you know my son's age that have had have battled different parts of cancer and and thankfully have uh have conquered that battle so that's great but those are just again it touches home touches home for me and if i can help uh help raise money use my skill set to raise money and and do some things like this to promote what we do and and uh ultimately help everybody you know i, I would love to be able to give a grant to all eleven thousand cancer <laughs> right, patients right. In, in nebraska and it seems like cancer is impacting people younger uh every year and maybe it's just because i'm getting older caleb and <laughs> I'm, it's like but my friends and my family and it seems like younger people are getting cancer more, or maybe it's just being diagnosed quicker. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think um, with uh, early detection and the number of awareness, I mean, uh, every month there is some sort of uh, cancer awareness, specific cancer for screening. Right. So I think early early screenings, early detection, I think um, – is why more people are getting diagnosed with it, but that's also a positive because you you catch it early right. and then it's it's a lot more treatable. You mm-hmm. know, back uh, you know fifteen, twenty, thirty years ago, uh, you know, you'd go to your you know nobody went to their their yearly physical. You know, and you'd, oh, I'm not sick. Why would I go to the doctor? <laughs> and then they catch they catch a diagnosis way too late, uh, and so um, I think that's part of it um, but I'm not a doctor and I didn't even stay at a holiday inn so uh, you know but uh, but being in this world and and working with a lot of the the great doctors and, and nurses and nurse practitioners it's definitely the early detection and um, I know I go every year to my physical and it's like okay uh, they've got their chart all right yeah now it's time for the colonoscopy now right. it's uh, now it's time for this you know like, okay <laughs> we were talking with Chris Blum executive director of the Heartland Cancer Foundation Mardi Gras Gala coming up in just a couple of weeks February 17th right here in town uh, just tell, tell us about this event 
So it's a, a fun event, a Mardi Gras theme. So there's uh, going to be some signature drinks, uh, Mardi Gras theme. There's an old-fashioned. Uh, we've got a, a bourbon pole game, uh, so folks can can buy a ticket to uh, win a win a bottle of bourbon. Uh, we've got Omaha Steaks is going to be donating uh, the steaks for the evening. Uh, the chocolate season right here in Lincoln is uh, going to be providing the desserts. It's a fun fun night mardi gras themed we've got a silent auction there's 75 or 80 packages we're all we're still putting those together uh but there's uh, husker tickets in there uh, that you can bid on there's some chiefs tickets uh i don't think it's for the super bowl uh, the super will be <laughs> over but uh uh for next next season uh we've got some spa packages some golf packages it's just a fun night for folks to to get dressed up. I know Caleb's wife's uh, excited. She's probably bought oh, a third she, dress. Or yeah, she's uh, she's all dress. in on the sparkly dresses. That uh, that's where we're at in our house. But there, there's fishing in Alaska. There's there's private dining at Casa Bovina. There, there's all kinds of different things for folks with these live and silent auctions that are that are more than just the the tickets. Which I think there are tickets still available for folks if they want to attend. Yes, you can go to heartlandcancerfoundation.org and uh, click on the the Mardi Gras link and. We'll we can get you registered. Uh, February first is our is our deadline. And it's then, Thursday. Uh, that's Thursday. That's coming up. And uh, we know that uh, once Thursday's over, people will call me on Friday. And <laughs> yes, we'll be able to get you in. Uh, it might cost you a few dollars more, but um, we can we can make it work. Uh, and so it's a it's a good event. We'll have some impact stories. We've got a couple of our actual patients that we've helped out. Uh, they're going to be uh, sharing their stories with us. And uh, we've got uh, DJ Chavez. He's He's coming back from a music bingo. So yeah, got, that was a uh, fun one. We've got 80s and 90s rock and then uh, 90s country. So uh, those are the, the two themes or the two genres of music that mm-hmm. uh, we're going to play this year. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a good time to, to celebrate um, Mardi Gras, celebrate the Heartland Cancer Foundation, and raise a bunch of money to help our, our friends and neighbors and coworkers who, who are battling cancer. So I know that there's kind of three big events that you guys really do throughout the year. So we've got the Mardi Gras Gala here. What are the other two that you'll have? So we do a oncology symposium, uh, and that's April uh, April seventeenth um, at uh, Southeast Community College. That's a continuing education um, opportunity for doctors and nurses, and we actually have uh, several of our pharmaceutical uh, companies who support that event. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one coming up in in April, and then like uh, like every other charity, uh, I don't think you can be a charity if you don't have a golf tournament. Yeah, uh, so, gotta have a golf. Uh, so we were doing a golf tournament August. Uh, I think that's <laughs> August nineteenth at uh, Firethorn Country Club. And uh, yeah, we've been doing that ten or eleven years, and and that event sells out. Uh, and I think we're all. We already have, I think, 15 or 16 foursomes and uh, sponsors committed to that. So uh, if you want to golf with us, uh, heartlandcancerfoundation.org or uh, send me an email, chris at heartlandcancerfoundation.org, and uh, we'll talk and, and get you signed up. And I know there are, there are a lot of other kind of smaller fundraising events that aren't necessarily Heartland Cancer, uh, what, what you guys do to put on these bigger events. There are some smaller ones, kind of grassroots. What are some of those that, that you guys know about that are nice? It's, it's great that they're helping out. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we just finished uh, Catholics versus uh, Catholics Crushing Cancer, a basketball game that uh, Lincoln Pius uh, puts on uh, for us. Uh, Brenda Shebex, one of our uh, board members, and she started this grassroots uh, event three, four, 
five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their one of their players and, and parents and family members at Pius uh, had cancer and and they wanted to do something. Uh, so this past weekend they they did a an event with uh, Creighton Prep and uh, Marion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did uh, some raffles, a half court shot. Uh, they sold a bunch of T-shirts. Uh, so that uh, that's a great event for us. Uh, Fleet Feet here in Lincoln. They do a ladies' night and uh and they're through their Habsy training runs. They've done a, a mini fundraiser for us. Uh, Cancer Partners in Nebraska has done a cornhole tournament the last few years for us, uh, which helps raise awareness. And, and these all raise significant dollars. Uh, St. Mark's United Methodist Church, uh, Super C Convenience Stores uh, in December. They do a Donate a Dollar uh, Roundup campaign. Um, Sandhills Global, they do an employee matching campaign for mm-hmm. us throughout the year. And then new this year, uh, U-Stop, we're going to be part of the Kick kick back, uh, kick It Back program. Okay. So uh, in October, fill up at U-Stop on Tuesdays, and, and they're going to donate two cents a gallon uh, back to us. So a lot of those type of events that uh, support the Heartland Cancer Foundation, uh, they don't ask me to, to lead a lot of it. They just <laughs> ask me to help support, and uh, a lot of times they just call me to come come take a photo with the check. Well, uh, you're great for the so. photos. I'm sorry that we're on radio and everyone can't, can't get a look at you. But if they want to... Go to heartlandcancerfoundation.org. You can find the information for the Mardi Gras Gala coming up February 17th. Check that out. Also take part in some of those auction items that are on there. February 1st, the deadline to get in. But like Chris said, they might be able to squeeze you in if you decide Friday that you want to call and get in. Or middle of next week. We'll uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have some seats <laughs> open. We'll, uh, we'll make it work for you. That's Chris Blum, Executive Director of the Heartland Cancer Foundation. Chris, thanks so much for popping in. I'm sure I'll see you a few more times over the next couple of weeks. Yes, and, and thanks for having me again. 726 here on LNK Today Sports coming up after this on KLIN. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. No Jack Mitchell, which means I get to be the one to push the buttons. (laughs) Oh, it's just so much fun to have that back and forth every day and it's like ah uh, who's pushing the buttons number no i have the buttons pulled up you, you usually number do. five yeah <laughs> might be uh just a second round of a 10 round fight that's underway but the nebraska gop is not getting along uh with the uh, current incumbents in the uh federal office holders for the first time in their elected runs none 
The five-member all-GOP congressional delegation received an endorsement from the state party. None of them sought the endorsement, but the endorsements were made Saturday, and three of the five have challengers to the current incumbents. State Central Committee endorsed Republican challengers to three incumbents, former Air Force Lieutenant Colonel John Glenn Weaver, who's running against Pete Ricketts, Omaha businessman Dan Fry running against 2nd District Representative Don Bacon, and Hastings engineer John Walsh running against 3rd District Representative Adrian Smith. So... I guess the Civil War kind of continues. Yeah, that all, all the little bit of kind of infighting within the party about what was called the establishment over kind of the populist, that grassroots-ish movement, kind of the, the, the Trump section of of the any GOP. You saw what happened in Kearney with kind of the, the takeover there, ousting what was essentially the Ricketts faction, and all the way up to where things are today. It's not 100% healed. Which is interesting as you go into an election year. Aaron Sanderford, by the way, uh, with that Nebraska Examiner piece, breaking all of the all of that any GOP fight down. But it's it's so intriguing to get to a year where, with Nebraska's five uh, congressional delegates, like or the the delegation congressional delegates, uh, or you get to electoral delegates and everything starts to kind of run into itself. But for your your congressman. They're all supporting Trump or going to support Trump, and that seems to have been one of the the biggest keys with that rise up in Carney was whether or not folks were aligned enough with Donald Trump, who is most likely, like, he's going to beat Nikki Haley on the ticket this year. And then if you go back, some of the, some as part of that same issue in Carney was the state party, the NEGOP, taking sides in GOP versus GOP races. And that's exactly what you have now with the with the primary endorsements. And then you got the quote unquote break in at the headquarters. Um, you know, I I had interviewed Bacon. Oh, it's been a few weeks ago. Um, just trying to get his take on will he support who the nominee is if it's Trump? And he said, Well, it depends how he acts and treats people. Like, well, all right, there you go. There yeah. you go. There, there you go. But, but since then, he has pretty much said he would support. Yep. Trump. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you really stop to think about it, the Nebraska GOP, going through all that turmoil last year, they, uh, at least reportedly, uh, are pretty short of funds, so they're not going to have a lot of money to um, for, for anybody they endorse. Uh, endorsing in the primary, as you mentioned, not necessarily the best move for the party. And and they really, on a, on a national stage, uh, probably don't carry a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean that's just the reality of it. I mean, they, you'd like to think that the state party would, but I don't think state parties in this day and age of, of super PACs and and uh, other PACs and and the incumbent, the just the ability of incumbents to raise money. I'm not sure this is uh, going to have a, a huge effect on uh, voters in the state, but it makes for a good news story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it it certainly does, and as well as the fact that. You look at the incumbents outside of, uh, I mean, Pete Ricketts, not in his current position, but he's won a statewide race before, obviously, to become governor. All of the incumbents have won races. Yes. And the other part is that none of the incumbents asked for the endorsement. Right, because of, because of a new process for the endorsement. Right. In the uh, Aaron Sanderford piece in the Nebraska Examiner, uh, they talk about how Previously, it would typically be someone from 
the the state party, call the incumbent and say, hey, would you like the endorsement? They would say yes, and then that would kind of be it. But now there was a little bit more of a process to it on some written questionnaires on and then ultimately some some voting within the party if i if i read that correctly yeah the 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 two questionnaires uh were not the same incumbents got a different one than the non-incumbents and uh aaron sandiford kind of points out that there was some uh look it just that was not a good thing yeah i mean they're they're trying it i will say this because there was the changeover in p- power within the party, I think they're still trying to find themselves. I think they're still trying to figure out how they're going to run the state party while you have folks that were elected and had the backing of the previous group in power, yep. uh, essentially the, the Ricketts group or the establishment, whatever they want to call it. But you, you've got this power struggle still happening in an election year, but... You know what'll happen as soon as they get through the primary, they'll they'll all be buddy buddy going into the into the general. Enough because what what's gonna happen on a lot of these statewide races? What like what are the Democrats gonna do? Well, yeah. But- like like they there there there's enough insulation other than I guess I guess in Omaha, like you potential congressional seat up for grabs there, but on all these others, you're gonna at least get four of them are gonna stay red. Absolutely, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but Tony Vargas probably has a as good a shot as anybody is. Oh, for sure. In, in, uh, in the second district, and he's also gar- garnering some national attention. Yeah, I just for, saw that this morning. Yeah, so that that could uh, you know help with his money situation. Ooh, all right. Uh, still a lot to watch there from the NEGOP as we get into primary season. Number four. You want to rile things up the Capitol. Just uh, propose elimination of some sales tax exemptions, and that's what's happening with the governor's uh, proposal to reduce property taxes. But now, where the some of the proposals for eliminating those exemptions, uh, people speaking out pretty loudly. <laughs> well, so so where exactly are some of these exemptions? Well, let's see if I can find the list: taxation of services such as attorneys, uh, CPAs. Some of those things um, also uh, possibly increase the state sales tax one cent. Uh, proposals uh, to remove the exemption from soda pop and candy. Uh, maybe taxes on data centers and dry cleaning bills, things like that. Mm-hmm. So hmm. that's just some of the stuff. And, you know, right now it's in the proposal stage, uh, debate stage. So we'll see where the amendments uh, wind up before we can really oh, nail yeah. it down. Yeah, that that's always where a lot of the interesting ones come out there. This is like like I had said before when some of these initial proposals had come out because I am not a property owner. <laughs> so what what gets passed on to me from the property tax standpoint is my rent. Now, if you lower property taxes, I absolutely don't think my rent will suddenly go down. I don't down. think so. <laughs> but uh, the, these exemptions for things that now I will pay more for will help pay off others' property taxes. Thank you, Caleb. You're welcome. <laughs> we, ours, we just got evaluations <laughs> in the mail, and it's going up another 15% this year. I think it went up 25% last year. Like, at, at what point does it stop? 
Um, but I'd have to say this, though, in looking at the taxes that we'll be paying for our property this year, um, it actually went down a little bit. So some of the changes that they did make, it did uh, it did impact that. So we'll see how it goes in the future. But Well, and there's a lot more public input and a lot more pu- uh, the public are starting to understand the taxing right. entities. Right. And they're forcing the discussion on right. reducing some levies. Right. That's smart. I just want to own a house, guys. How how can we get to that part? <laughs> let's let's let me keep my money until I until I get a house first. Number three. Last week, the state of Alabama carried out a first of its kind execution as Kenneth Eugene Smith was executed for uh, murder for hire killing back in 1988. Uh, it was uh, an execution using nitrogen gas. Alabama is just one of three states. Uh, that has legalized uh, nitrogen hypoxia for uh, execution, but uh, we may, ha- or I guess we do have uh, a bill that's uh, being put forth by State Senator uh, Warren Lippincott to uh, make uh, nitrogen hypoxia part of the uh, options for Nebraska. Right. Death row and and what what's Nebraska's current process? Uh, lethal injection. Because I remember. Harry Dean Moore was the last one that was executed using uh, lethal injection, uh, and the state had a big had big trouble. Yeah, because they had to go get the chemicals, get the, the, the get the process, get the drugs, yeah. and and even got scammed by uh, some. I think it was um, somebody in Europe that they had supposedly uh, were able to purchase the drugs from, but I don't think they ever got them. Mm-hmm. So, so I I haven't been. I mean, I've heard about this. So what's the difference? Why, why are we introducing something new? Is it more hum, quote unquote humane? Is well, it's available. Form different. It's available and uh, supposedly more humane. Seventy-eight uh, percent of the atmosphere in the, the, the air we breathe is nitrogen. About twenty-one percent is oxygen. And by uh, inducing uh, a nitrogen hypoxia, it just basically it's a fis- uh, asphyxiation. By removing and and uh, eliminating oxygen, and and you pass out and, and die. And Nebraska is traditional, I guess, uh, maybe not traditionally, but over the last several years, had a had a fight with itself between the well, Governor Ricketts then being the 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 power in the executive branch, but the legislature and the the second house being the people on where the state stands on capital punishment. It's it's gone back and forth, so so you have that on top of potentially adding, uh, adding another method. In and the other part of this is it, it doesn't happen a lot that it's used. No, in, in, and, in the state here for sure. No, the the carrying out the executing inmates is a long, long process in a lot of states. It seems as though it's very long in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. All right, that's another one to watch there from the state legislature. Number two. A pair of blowout losses for basketball teams over the weekend. The men fell 73-51 Maryland. Women lost 92-73 at Iowa. Oh, and it was it was it was difficult. First on the women's side of it, because <laughs> you're going against potentially national player of the year, Caitlin Clark, and you got down early, but fought back with, with a couple within the last couple of minutes of the first yeah. half, were up by what, four? And then, bing, bang, boom, down five at the half. And never see a lead again. It stretches to double digits and only grows from there. Kaylin Clark just 
unreal She's for what she can do with the basketball. I would love if she just didn't do the ticky tack crap though. <laughs> well, like lowering a shoulder into yeah, Jazz Shelley, trying to trying to get calls, and doesn't like if people defend yeah. her hard. I get it. Like she is absolutely. One of, if not the best player in the country. It's kind of you love to hate her, right? And hate to love her. I mean, it's just a, it's she, a back if, and forth. Because if she's you yours, watch, you love her. I get it. Right. I didn't want to like her, but I'm liking her. You know, I she fights, and I know she. You know, she's intense. She's competitive in the moment. She's knocking, you know, Shelly down, all this stuff. But on the flip side of that, she's you, her sportsmanship's amazing. And you know, at the end of the game, she's hugging and shaking and signing autographs and taking care of people. So uh, she's just really impressive to watch although i don't you know want iowa to win Mm -hmm. my buddy and i go back and forth he's an iowa fan and i'm not so i'm texting him uh, you know saying she's a beast there's nothing else i can say it's phenomenal that you can do that but that doesn't sound like a friend to me (laughs) uh and on the men's side they just got down and it was it was kind of feeling ugly it was almost 30 points like they were getting doubled up nebraska just Came out really, really well, and then it got behind. And I was, I was wishing they would have got some other guys more time earlier because effectively that game was over with at least 10 minutes to go in, in the game. And it, as much as you would love to start hitting shots and have Maryland stop hitting shots, they just weren't. Like They were hitting everything under the sun, and you, you started out where you were hitting everything possible, especially from three. Now it's, it's not like things are going to get easier. You've got a ranked Wisconsin team coming into Pinnacle Bank Arena. Nebraska only has one loss at home. This is going to be a tough one on Thursday, so hopefully the crowd can get pumped up. You'll hear that here on KLIN and the women at home with Purdue on Wednesday. Go, go grab a couple of wins because we're starting to see both of these teams on bubble watch. It'd be nice if they could both get into the NCAA tournament and not have to sweat things out on Selection Sunday. Number one. Valentine's Day not far off uh, with inflation making dates more expensive. Personal finance website and our go-to every now and then, WalletHub. WalletHub. Has released their 2024 best and worst, worst states for singles. Best state? Florida. Florida. Worst state? West Virginia. Well, West Virginia <laughs> kind of is they're, they're top 10 for being the worst at just about everything is the way these Wallet Hub surveys come out. Nebraska overall ranks 36th, but believe it or not, we rank 4th in the dating economics. Really? Yeah, we're we're doing really well. We're uh, three places behind Utah. Does that mean cheap dates or what? <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> Middle of the road to be for singles, but hey, if you're here, it's going to be pretty cheap. Yep. And and we do better on the uh, romance and fun rank. Hey. We're, we're, we're up to number 32. All right. We're romantic. You want to be romanced and fun for cheap? Cheap. That's... But dating opportunities for 46. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot. We kind of got these three things we do really well. We got uh, Runza and Husker games <laughs> and uh, Carhenge. <laughs> Valentino's in there. <laughs> 7.55, that's your morning drive, brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. 7.58 here in the capital city. Something that I didn't mention, we will have a couple of concert announcements in about an hour. These are going to be some fun ones. 
As a matter of fact, those announcements are supposed to happen at 9 a.m., but because we show's off at 8.59.47, we'll sneak it in there about I'm a minute I'm ready to early. hear it. Yeah, some good concerts. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to show you. Don't look okay. over here. I've got All it right. on my sheet, so you don't look. I'm not looking. So we'll have a couple of concert announcements. Those will be uh, a lot of fun, hopefully as much fun as what that morning drive was <laughs> over the last little bit. You and I continued the conversation into the break a little yeah. bit on, on like home ownership. You've got a son trying to go through this, too. Yeah, 26 years old. We met over the weekend uh, trying to figure out you know what's the best way to go about buying a home in Lincoln. It's hard. I can't imagine, like when we started out years ago, 35 years ago, whatever, um, a little tiny house at 17th and Van Dorn for 60 grand. You know, now I, I don't want to, I don't know how to compare it to today's market, but you're looking at two to $300,000 just to get in a decent neighborhood, a home that's not going to totally fall apart. And then you got interest rates at six and a half percent. You got to get money down uh, and, and then you're paying rent that is outrageous just to live and then how do you how do you try to save to get to that point i don't know it's hard it's hard it's a it's a question i think we need to get answered or at least worked on here in lincoln to find like you said earlier starter homes are hard to find yeah sales tax sales tax (laughs) exemptions make me pay for the pop and the candy (laughs) please it's eight o'clock in lincoln chris kaborik your university of nebraska interim president coming up around the corner mike schaefer a little bit later after that as well. Listening to uh, K Today with Jack and Friends. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 809 rolling along here in the capital city. Caleb Henry alongside Doug Fitzgerald. Jack Mitchell out for a couple of days. And Tim Haruza not available today, but we did go ahead and grab what I think is a suitable replacement, at least for one day. We'll see if he sticks around if we want to have him back more. But the University of Nebraska interim president, uh, Chris Kaborik. And Chris, this is uh, one of those where I went, oh, this guy follows me. He's way too important to be following me. Maybe he'll come on the show in the morning. Thanks for popping in. Uh, well, good morning, guys. Um, thanks for letting me come in. It's, uh, it's an honor and uh, great, uh, great to speak with you. So, in interim president for the University of Nebraska, about a month in, what what is what has it been like? How different has your life been for about the last thirty days compared to? Well, really, about the last twenty-seven years working with the University of Nebraska. Um, you know, it's been great. Um, I mean, as uh, if you told me as a small town kid from Davis City, Nebraska, that someday I would have the opportunity to someday uh, be the president, uh, even in the interim role, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, 
of the first of my family to go to college, and you know, you just don't think about that stuff. But it, it's uh, it's a couple of things. It it does, you know, it's proof that you know higher education can really transform lives. But and also, it just Nebraskans love this university, and yes. it's just been great um, to reach out and talk to everybody. You know. Even differences of opinions. Uh, we want to hear all those voices, but it's been a fantastic experience so far. And it's not like this is a time where you can come in and it's, well, everything's just kind of set in stone. Everything's kind of just running itself. The UNK is looking for a new chancellor. There's a new chancellor here in Lincoln. There, there, there's a lot going on with the university outside of the athletic side that you got to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when I started at the university 27 years ago, I thought it'd be a, you know, a couple-year gig, and then i go find my other thing. But it, it's such a wonderful institution. There's so much going on with 50,000 students and 15,000, 16,000 employees and faculty that, and such a, a large breadth of what we do for the state that it's a magnificent place, and it's always changing, as you indicated, and that's part of the exciting part. So uh, it, that's what really drives me to get up every day, roll our sleeves up, and, and work hard, because we really know a strong university is going to be really critical to our strong state of Nebraska, and, and that's really exciting to be a part of. For those that maybe didn't quite know you until it was announced that you were going to take over the interim role, how did you get involved with the university back in the late 90s? Uh, yeah, so um, you know, I was started my career in banking in the in the, in the Omaha area, and um, and uh, uh, for whatever reason, found this uh, back in the day when you still look at the in the want ads in the paper uh, for this job, and sounded interesting. You know, I had still friends and family in Lincoln, and so um, so on a whim took it, um, and it. I've been here ever since. I really, it, 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 it's kind of God's plan. Um, never anticipated the, you know, did not lay out. I'd be here for 27 years, working my way up from the very bottom as a budget analyst to, you know, being director of budget and then CFO and now interim president. So <clears throat> it's, things just have a way to work themselves out. And, uh, you know, that's the great thing about Nebraska, you know, one degree of separation from a lot of us and uh, to have that impact on a lot of people across the state. It's just been a, a, a truly humbling experience for me. What have been the biggest changes that you've seen in, in the university and over the, the course of that time? We've seen a lot of changes overall. You can talk just the football program itself from 97 to, to right now, but just the university as a whole uh, for someone who's been involved in a lot of it. Well, there's just so, I mean, we could have a lot of segments on just all the changes <laughs> of that, you know, just technology and pandemic and all that. But, um, you know, we are in this really, really unique time. Uh, we talk a lot about athletics, but, you know, from from our seat, from a leadership perspective, it's not just a discussion about changing athletics. This is a cha this is a conversation about how do we make sure Nebraska has a seat at the table to be competing with the best of the best, and that's what we're working on every day. Um, because we can talk about all the changes in athletics, and it's 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 so disruptive. And I've heard Trev talk about that, and and we can agree to 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 like it or not like it, but. We don't really have a choice. It is what it is. And we have to kind of take our own destiny in our own hands. And so um, despite all the changes on the athletic side, we're seeing the same thing on, on the academic side and the research side. And so 
our goal is to make sure we we, we put a, together a plan to go compete with the Big Ten uh, to make sure we look more like our institution, like those other institutions. And and there's some things we got to do to get out of our own way to do that. And candidly, there's there's a lot of improvement we need to do. And so uh, my job is to uh, you know I do a lot of coaching, a lot of refereeing, and part of my job is to you know see the things that people maybe don't want to see and tell people things that maybe they don't want to hear because I. I see the extreme opportunity that this institution has for the state and for Lincoln. And while we got to maybe get uncomfortable with some of those conversations, I know the the uh, the future is really, really bright for us. We're talking with the University of Nebraska interim <laughs> president, Chris Kaborik. You talk about looking like the other institutions and, and having a seat at the table with the best of the best. And a big part of that in the Big Ten is the AAU. And I know we, we uh, Trev Alberts talked about that's a big one. Want to get back to that? We heard Ted Carter talk about want to get back to that. And and for you now, you're not just kind of sitting on your thumbs either. How do, how does that plan move forward at getting Nebraska, as you said, in some cases out of its own way to reinstatement into the AAU? I mean, the good thing is um, President Carter left us a great plan. So um, you know, when the board talked to me about sitting this in a room role, I said there's really two pathways. You know, I can be the caretaker, keep the seat warm, or we can still be aggressive, work every day to execute the plan before us. And and thankfully, we got a great board, and they said, "Yep, we want to do the latter." So um, we're not going to sit still. We're going to go get stuff done. And you know, you look at the additions of UCLA and UC, USC and Oregon and Washington and, we're, and combined with the other institutions already in the Big Ten, we are talking about, you know, the best of the best, not only athletically, but academically as well. Um, and we have room, room to improve. Um, there's just no doubt about it. Just look at the facts. Um, but some of this, you know, we're, we're kind of fighting this battle with one arm tied behind our back in terms of the way we've structured ourselves. We, we, relatively been structured at the University of Nebraska with this system with four campuses since 1968. We're the only institution in the Big Ten where our medical college is its own separate institution compared to the flagship institution here in Lincoln. And so pretty simple, you know, Nebraskans are pretty basic, but asking our questions, why is that? Should we be done like that? Maybe that was the way we needed to do it in 1968, but is that the way we need to do it in 2024? I mean, if we just combine the research activity of our medical college and UNL, we go from somewhere around the 100th ranking to, to almost top 50. And we haven't gotten any other research. We haven't gotten any more grants. We just kind of got out of our own way and restructured ourselves. So those are kind of the, more, the difficult questions we're going to start asking ourselves might get us a little uncomfortable, but I think Nebraskans are, you know, I know they're two things. They're common sense. We're common sense people. And while we're Nebraska nice, we're really competitive. And we, you know, we've proven athletically. We can beat the number one team on the volleyball court and the number one team on the basketball court. So my question is, why can't we do that in the classroom? Why can't we do that in the research lab? Why can't we go compete for the best of the best students in our state, convince them that they can come here, Give, and we will give them the opportunity to be the very best of themselves. And so that's what we're working on every day. What is, if there is one, and it's, it's probably a, a multitude of, of facets that go into this, but when you compete for those, those high academic folks, not, not just the athletes, but, but those that are, they've got the 35 ACT, 
uh, whatever the SAT is. I never had to take it, so all those. Numbers, anytime someone's like, "I got this on I the know. SAT," I go, "Great!" Like you, you could have said fifteen. I'd been like, "Is that good?" Sure. Uh, but but you have the folks that are performing really really well academically. They're going to chase some of these higher goals within academia. How do you? lure those types of folks it's different than a coaching change in in football or an athletic director saying we're going to build these facilities how do you do it on the academic side you know um sometimes we like to put these firewalls between athletics and academics and and there are reasons why we want to do that but you know sports have always been a big part of my life either growing up um, I'm a, a father of three boys, so I've coached, I've, I've refereed college and high school basketball. And so athletics has always been really important to me, and there's still a lot of great qualities and, and pillars in, in how I view, view the world. So, you know, my question is, why wouldn't we take a page out of athletics playbook that's been successful? We, like I said, we've proven on the athletic competition that we can compete with the best of the best. So, you know, Really simple stuff. Like, I looked at what Coach Rule and Coach Foley did when they first got here and going out to just Nebraska high school just, just to introduce themselves and putting it on social media and getting kids excited about, um, you know, the walk-on program again. Like, why don't we do that with just academics? Why don't we go out, um, you know, it's hard work. we got to roll up our sleeves, but um, why aren't we doing that? And then, like you said, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, 35, 36 ACT, that, you know, I don't know what that was, but uh, <laughs> but there's really talented kids out there, and so why don't we go recruit them like a five-star athlete? Why don't we give them an offer and make a big deal about it? And and hopefully, if we can get them to sign with Nebraska, let's go celebrate it. Let's go have a signing day, just like we did for an athlete. I That's mean, so cool. They're staying in yeah. Nebraska, and then we encourage them and give them the opportunity to hopefully build their career, start a family, and and create a life. You know, we keep talking about brain drain, so we can make excuses of why um, we haven't been of our failures in the past. So let's just change that narrative and think differently, and and go be aggressive and go get those kids. Let's go compete. I, I really like the idea of having a presence in, in high schools more. I Growing up north of the, the Tri-Cities in central Nebraska, 22 kids in my graduating class, I can remember vividly the National Guard being in our cafeteria. I can remember Doan, Wesleyan, Concordia, Shadron State, Wayne State, UNK obviously being close there. I don't remember... Nebraska, like UNL being there, UNK being close, it's like, that's 45 minutes, that's a given, that's your bread and butter being in the region, but I don't remember UNL or UNO or UNMC, like like these other campuses that obviously you guys want to draw from across the state as well, not just here in the, the, the metro Lincoln and Omaha areas. Absolutely, and, and I mean, I, we have people on our campuses working really hard every day at this, and I recognize that, but... I think we can do better. I mean, just like you said, um, you know, I have I have a high school age son right now, and and the competition for talent is unlike anything we've ever seen. He he's getting contacts from University of Kansas, University of Iowa daily, and so we need to make sure that our campuses are doing the same thing. You know, it's kind of funny because you know back in our days, you know. We talked about junk mail, and there's just so much of it, and it got dilutive. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, with social media now, it's almost like if you get a handwritten letter from the University of Nebraska signed by the chancellor or the dean of the College of Engineering or the president, 
you know, that makes uh, an impression on a on a young person. Mm-hmm. And and kind of like you said, just having a present, just just stopping by the school, saying hi, saying hey, how's it going? Don't know what your future's plans are, but hey, if you're thinking about college, I hope you give us a call because. We will do everything we can uh, at the university from a financial perspective, uh, from a social perspective, to make sure you have a great experience. And that's why we're making investments in facilities, because when we get parents and students on campus, they still buy with their eyes, and they want to see that commitment. And we have so many exciting projects going on on our campuses. We just want to get them here and, and see what's going on, because I think... I think once we get them, they, they get really excited and, and see there's a lot of opportunity for them. Last couple of minutes here with University of Nebraska interim president Chris Gaborik. And uh, obviously, there's a search going on for whoever's going to be permanently in that role. What, what if any, involvement are, are you in that? Because obviously, it's a you had someone permanent, there's the interim position here, someone else is going to be coming in permanent, or you, or wherever that is. The ship still needs to keep going in a, in a general direction. Yeah, I like to say we got to keep the railroad running um, every day, and so my job is to make sure the board of regents have the have the time and space um, to do the work that they knew to to attract the next great leader to this institution, and so that's what I'm doing every working every day. And I we have a great board of regents. I, I trust the process that they're going through, um, and so my my job is to make sure there's just no distraction so that they can keep their focus pretty singular on on attracting that next leader um, to our institution. And I've got to ask, since you, you brought up that, that you've refereed, and I've, from my experience with referees, they really like to tell me things that I didn't want to hear <laughs> in, in, in my experience. Now, for you, obviously, this is, if I remember right, this is something you picked up while in college. So from that time to now, I think the numbers are down. How, how do folks get more involved with officiating refereeing? How do you grow those numbers? I know that that's not the first thing you're working on right now, but but that's something I see watching high school athletics. The, the numbers are way down. Yeah, it, it's been a challenge, um, no doubt. Um, you know, I got into refereeing for for a simple economic. You know, I'm trying to make a few bucks. Um, you know, for those weekends, um, I didn't get it. I didn't have any nil money or anything like that. So, but the great thing about refereeing, what I've found, uh, obviously, it's great games and you remember but it's the people mm-hmm. um fellow officials coaches athletic directors and then the student athletes themselves and so uh, but it's tough because you get your to get games under your belt you got to go work you know some lower level youth junior high and and uh and i coach youth basketball and i can tell you some of those fans can be really really vicious and um and uh so so it's a challenge so the biggest thing is, you know, just trying to find uh, and encourage opportunities for those to, you know, if you're competitive, you really like the game, it's a great way to kind of get involved in the game. And um, there's a lot of great officials out there. And so, um, you know, if anybody's interested, you know, give me a call. I'll be happy to take you out on a couple games and uh, get you some get you some experience under your belt. Whether you want a referee or you have ideas about the University of Nebraska system, Chris, he'll take calls he'll across take the Absolutely. Survey. Absolutely. <laughs> we want to hear everybody's voice. <laughs> well, that's uh, Chris Kaporek, the University of Nebraska interim president. Chris, thank you so much for uh, for popping in this morning. I know you're, you're busy. It sounds like you're tackling a thousand things at once. 
I'm just trying to figure out how to get through a morning show without Jack Mitchell, and that's why I called Doug Fitzgerald. So thank you for coming in this morning. Absolutely, guys. Anytime, we're happy to be come back, even when Jack's here. I love some of his Twitter meltdowns. So uh, yes, the, 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 the old Twitter for Jack Mitchell. So uh, thank you, Chris. We'll have sports just around the corner here on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to University of Nebraska interim president Chris Kabork hanging out with us in that last segment. If you missed any of it, we'll have it up at the podcast right after the show. Of course, that'll come after we visit with Husker 24-7's Mike Schaefer. And Schaefer, as a Vikings fan, you're very excited with the way the, the late game went last night, right? I mean, I couldn't have asked for a more fantastic way to <laughs> do the... Uh... The you got to feel good for him, Lions, which you absolutely didn't need to feel good for him. <laughs> you don't have to buy what the media is telling you about. No, I mean, it was, what a horrific way to go out. It warms my heart knowing fellow NFC North team, you know, has this experience now where they get to, uh, they get to know what sadness is like. I mean, one of the things when your team has never been good for 30 years, you have nothing at risk. You've never had to put your whole heart into it and have it crushed in the way that it was on Sunday. And so welcome to sports, Detroit Lions fans. Now you really get to be on those most miserable lists because you actually had something at stake, and it was taken from you, and it'll hurt forever. And you can always wonder, what if we went up by three scores in the third quarter again? (laughs) What if we just matched what the 49ers did on their opening drive? But, hey, you, you, you know. Credit to your coach. He did what he'd do if it was week 12 of the regular season, and he lost. That You were giving shades of Dublin with, we were just trying to end the game. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that one was worse. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely. Definitely worse. But I just, there's no argument that I can understand of, oh, this is how we normally play, or the metrics say to go for it. You have a chance to, to basically just equal what the 49ers have done, and you're going to say, all right, Brock Purdy, you need to score three times, three different drives to just match us, and we're going to get the ball back after these. And I just don't think you would have been able to do it. I think that gave them just enough life, and then you had the really stupid circus play, which these games always have to have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have one of these comebacks without something stupid like a ball bouncing off of your guy's helmet <laughs> into the air. 
and then Brandon Ayuk coming through with that catch. So, I mean, it, it required like a really dumb moment for the comeback to even be really possible, but you left the door open and the 49ers, who by all accounts were dead, woke up and walked through it. I mean, just a, a super improbable because this is two straight comebacks for a team that I think Kyle Shanahan, uh, I guess there's a, a four quarter stat, but like they were like, Oh, or one in 37 going into, uh, if they trail by three or, or four or more going into the fourth quarter last week. And I think they were tied this week. So it doesn't really count, but wild comeback for the 49ers against the NFC North of all divisions, uh, in the last two weeks. <laughs> that is going to haunt Detroit for a while. And I, I for one am here for it. Should be some great, uh, some great, uh, Eminem content coming out from it. You know, he's probably, you could probably do a whole album from that game alone. Yeah, pro- probably. All I saw were pictures of him flipping people off at the stadium. So, uh, I'm yeah, sure I'm sure he's got plenty of content. I it, I don't know that like it was probably a great time to be in San Francisco last. Now, I do feel <laughs> bad for the people that were there. I will say that I do have some some sympathy for people who had to witness it live. Not much, but some. What about? Sympathy for folks who were in Maryland Saturday around lunchtime to, to watch a Nebraska men's basketball come out on an absolute heater and then decide to do the exact opposite for the rest of the game. Yeah, I had a couple friends. Um, they don't know each other, but I had a couple friends that were <laughs> attending that game. They live out in the D.C. area, uh, and they were super excited. It's their, you know, They both like basketball to begin with, and now Nebraska basketball is doing well, and it's their chance to see this team play. The only time they'll see him play all year. And that was the performance that they got after the first five minutes. Like, I I have – it's so hard because they've done this enough times where they've flushed it and they've come back and they've played well in the next game. But I just, I just can't imagine how they keep doing this. And I don't understand how they play like two different teams so often. It does not make any sense to me. Um, and I also don't understand why Fred just didn't wave the white flag earlier. Like, Rink Mask needs to just – rest like that knee he doesn't he has not looked healthy for the last two weeks no and i know he had that giant outburst against ohio state and i feel like that's gonna we're gonna look back at that and be like well that was the outlier <laughs> but man i would have gotten him on the bench with like 12 minutes to go in the second half and just left him there. like you were gonna gain nothing you couldn't yeah. get it within 20 you couldn't score i don't understand why it's so hard for this team to score after the 10 minute mark of the uh, first or second half right now, that three straight games, I mean, you well, I shouldn't say straight. You had the Ohio State game, which is the aberration, but Rutgers, you had 16 minutes of game action ending the first and the second half combined. Could barely get a field goal off. You know, and same thing against Northwestern to end that game. The final 10 minutes, I think they scored 10 total points and they made two field goals. Like, I don't, I don't understand. When it goes away, it doesn't make any sense to me, and the only thing I keep coming back to, Caleb, is I just don't feel like they have that guy that can just put the team on his mm-hmm. shoulders and be like, we need a basket, I'm going to get us a basket. Yeah. I think they have a lot of guys who are like, this is my role, I'm good in my role, and when it is time for me, I will do what I need to do. It doesn't always work that way in basketball. Sometimes, you know, like you, you need the guy that people think is selfish, but he's doing it for the team. Like it, It's a weird, basketball is so weird compared to every other sport. But you have to have that guy who wants it and is going to go do it. And I don't, you know, if they come up short this year, it won't be for a lack of talent. It will be because they just missed that one piece. I was saying the same thing. I noticed we were tweeting it about the same time 
of yeah. it being about time to just get dudes in and get them minutes. And especially for, for someone like Rink Mass, just get them rest. But for a lot of those guys, just get some experience. But but you bring up a good thing that I might have to spend the rest of this morning researching, in especially in conference games. What is Nebraska's point differential in the first 10 minutes of each half versus the last 10 minutes of each half? Right now, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's like it's. It's atrocious how bad teams are shooting three-pointers against them. That was the worst three-point shooting team in the conference. And this is uh, after they allowed Indiana to roughly do the same thing. They were the worst three-point shooting team in the conference coming into uh, coming into the game when Nebraska, you know, boat raced them at home, but they still shot like 45% from three. I, Maryland, I think, was over 50. I don't remember how it exactly finished, but I, there's just this, I don't know. It's a weird thing with this team. I think, and here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Wisconsin on Thursday. Right. I really would. I thought they were going to be able to play with Wisconsin on the road. Like, I feel like they match up okay with that team. But it gets really, really pressure-filled if every single home game you can't afford to lose. And every road game is like, well, if we just get this one, you know, like it's just a – and the thing is, your losses right now on the road are the teams where you really should have beat. Rutgers, that's going to look like a terrible loss by the mm-hmm. end of the year. Minnesota felt like a horrible loss in the moment. They're slightly better than what you expected. And, you know, maybe you can get Indiana or Michigan at the end of the schedule or Penn State, but it's hard for anything to be an assumed win with this team away from Lincoln right now. What does what does the way Nebraska's playing on the road do for its chances at getting into the NCAA tournament? Like, can can you'd say theoretically just right away, no, but can Nebraska go winless on the road in the Big Ten and still get a tournament bid? They'd have to win multiple games in the Big Ten tournament. They'd have to basically, I think if they can get to like 22 wins, uh-huh. however they can do that, I think that's going to be a safe number. The thing is, it, it really caps their ability to be any kind of speed. Uh, it seems like they would be destined for Dayton at that point. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like if they do make the tournament at this point, it's going to be like as an 11 seed that's either playing in the first four or, you know, they're going to draw somebody somewhere else and they don't have to play in that game. But it doesn't – this is a team that I feel like has the ability to be in that, like, seven range, and they're going to come up way short of that if they don't start figuring it out on the road. I don't know why they're going to start figuring it out on the road. They kind of are who they are. Mm-hmm. But that's the other frustrating thing. Like, there's no, there's no magic that's going to come in and transfuse this team. Bryce Williams isn't just going to become Terran Petaway in crunch time. Um, KT Tominaga isn't going to just become Steph Curry whenever they need. Like Rink Mast is is not going to become uh, Rick Smith, I guess if you will, down low and grabbing rebounds and altering shots. Like they they are what they are. They just have to figure out how they can win in that formula. And a big piece of it is going to be when do they get Jawan Gary back? And I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. Like I think right. there was some excitement that it wasn't a season-ending injury. But I don't know for sure that we're going to see him. I don't think we're seeing him against Wisconsin on Thursday. I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, And we may not see him until they get through this sort of last brutal stretch. And maybe he comes back when Nebraska is going to have to go pretty much gangbusters at the end of the month of February. I don't think it would have changed a whole lot. Let's say Ulyss was eligible and there wasn't all the, the Iowa gambling stuff going on. But how much different is this team if they had somebody like Sam Greasel at point guard where... No, obviously, he's, he, where, where he's playing really, really well uh, right now as a as a professional, but someone who 
he he didn't light it up, Mike, but but he would just back someone down and get a bucket when they were going through stretches. Yeah, I, one of the things they don't have is they don't have anyone that can really adequately run a two-man game. So they have to rely on a lot of ball movement. They need some of the shots to go through the hoop early because that way they can start running those backdoor cuts. But last year they had so much success where it was just Sam Grisell and or Grisell and, and Derek Walker running a two-man game on everybody. And I think Rink Master would be able to do that, but he doesn't have a partner for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamarcus Lawrence can't do it. He's a little small, and then on top of it, his ball handling is not the strong suit of his. Um, they, you know, I, they're like, if you could, you know, I, I talked about wanting an alpha. The other thing this team could really use is one of two things. A floor general who can protect the ball as a point guard. Or, and I think this one might be even bigger, they need a rim protector. Because for everything that rink, rink mass is, he is not someone who's going to alter a lot of shots. He's not going to be great on the rebounds. He's kind of soft inside. He's more of a stretch four than he is a true five. And this sounds really stupid. This team would get a huge lift if they could get 10 minutes a game from Blaze Gata. He wouldn't yes. even have to score. All he has to do is redirect shots and body people up like he did all of February last year when he was quietly really kind of valuable for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is he can't ever be healthy, so you can't ever rely on it. But man, could they use a guy who could just alter shots at the rim right now or help, you know, put a body on somebody. The other thing is, I, I don't know. It's not just a Fred Hoiberg thing. Tim Miles' teams had problems with it. Sadler's teams had problems with it. Nobody boxes out anymore. I don't get it. Like, nobody just grabs a body, throws their hip or their butt into them, and moves them out of space. It's all just standing and vertical jumping and volleyball tipping it to each other. I hate it. Well, and, and the people that do, and absolutely no offense to them because I believe they're more they're more athletic than than I was, and it's not like I was a schlub either. But but like the people you see box out, you'll see Kase do it sometimes a little bit. He'll he'll kind of shoulder bump into somebody, but it's it's Sam Hoiberg, it, it's yeah. it's it's the walk on guys where they're they're a lot more fundamental, but they're not athletically or as vertically gifted. As a lot of other guys, but what happens when you're you're six foot and you block out? Well, that ball comes a little bit higher to where now you have to put your hands up and jump a little bit. That six 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 eight guy who's wicked athletic just jump, out jumps you and gets the ball. Like yeah, like the guys who do block out aren't the guys who need to be the ones blocking out. Right. The the there's something you said in there that I've kind of come to conclude about this team that I think is part of why their ceiling is is a little lower than what it could be ultimately. Who's the best athlete on this team? They don't have, like, a plus athlete. Oh, right. Like, there's, you know, so when you play some of these teams that are fundamentally worse than you, but are just twitchier, are faster, are stronger, can get to the hole, can get through contact, I mean, they don't have a lot of that. They have a lot of guys who can do things correctly and shoot well, and when they get to their spots, they're going to be really dangerous. But, like, when they're not shooting well, there's not really like a guy on this team who's like, okay, I'm not, you know, Jawan Gary's the, the answer. He's like the most athletic guy. And yeah. then, you know, it's good, but you kind of need like three of those guys sometimes. Like, I, I, I love Bryce Williams. I think he's a great scorer. He's not a plus athlete. Rink Mass is not a plus athlete. Josiah Alex is getting every ounce of everything that he ever could out of his basketball career. And I think he deserves so much credit for that. But again, like, there's no explosion when he's going up with some of those you know mm-hmm. around the rim shots and that's why he's getting swatted uh and it that's another area where it's just like it's now that we're this far into it and you're looking at these other big 10 teams 
Nebraska is built differently. Even though they have what looks like a collection of Big Ten players, and they, they are, they absolutely are, they just they aren't as athletic, so they have to win in different ways. And it, it creates kind of a, you know, a smaller pathway to success. It's not an impossible one, but when it isn't working, it looks like Saturday. Yeah, you're, you're right on, on Josiah. And what that makes me think of is the way you had undersized Derek Walker, where you were like, there's no way some of these angles on shots should be going in, but he, he got every ounce out of whatever post work he had. Just despite the size disadvantage, Josiah, I, he was one that when you said most athletic, we know Gary right away. But after yeah. that, I was like, is it just because I see him dive everywhere and jump into everybody? And, it's and, all effort. Yeah, he he's does so much effort. Does that make it seem like he's more athletic than he really is when it comes down to those matchups? Yeah, it's just a max. I think it's a max effort thing. I think one of the biggest differences between – Derek Walker and, and Josiah Alex is just straight strength. I mean, Derek Walker was a little undersized. One, he was like a 25-year-old man. <laughs> Two, I mean, he could, like, move people with his body, with his shoulders, with his elbows. Like, he he was physically strong, and it made, you know, it made problems for people. And so, I don't know. Like, Alex is, he, he looks, you know, he looks apart. I just don't know that he's that particularly strong. The thing about him is he's gotten relatively smart about how he can do it. He's going to pump fake about 50 times a game now, and he's going to get to the free throw line because of it. He's probably going to end up leading Nebraska in free throws, which is a joke because it should be Tominaga. <laughs> and, you know, we can talk about Big Ten officiating yeah. all day long. But uh, I, he's probably going to lead them in free throws on the stretch because he's just getting people off the floor. Did you, because I watched the game on, on BTN on Saturday, did you keep that channel on and watch any of the women's game and Caitlin Clark go nuts? No, I didn't. I had a, a few other things I had to do on Saturday, but I saw Nebraska was kind of in it for a while, mm-hmm. and then they had what is sort of a become a thing for them too. Like they can't close out quarters. Like they they allow teams to go on these runs with like two minutes left to go in a quarter, and suddenly seven, eight points get piled up, and it flips where everything was for the previous ten. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's she's a special talent. It's a yeah, it's hard to say, obviously. And she makes it, I think, somewhat difficult because I don't think she's particularly likable. You know, maybe if you're in the state of Iowa, she is, but Mm -hmm. you're having to play against her. (laughs) But, I mean, it is really cool to, you know, Nebraska fans, Nebraska fans of women's basketball to to sort of be able to have that as a measure. And what was it, two years ago? uh, That Nebraska team really, it felt like they were going to beat Iowa in one of those those opportunities they had. They just couldn't get it done in the the final minutes. and now it just feels like the, where Iowa has gone and where Nebraska has gone is a little bit in two different directions. And I think so much of it is just not having Allison Whitener. Yeah, yeah, that that, and we knew that was going to hurt quite a bit on uh, what two she brings. Years. Man, that is that is what's brutal. Like, I mean, we can talk about Thomas Fedoni all we want. I can tell you the direct impact of Allison Whitener based on her first year with this team, mm-hmm. and then to not have her for two straight years. I think you see it almost every night on the court when they play. Here, here's that game you were referring to because I remember I was like, oh, they, they got to the '90s, right? Ninety-five to eighty-six in Lincoln. Yeah, like that—that that was an insane game. And, and, and I think she shot like twenty free throws in the fourth quarter. That's how it felt. Yeah, she. Yeah, and especially when she gets there, it seems like she. Here's the thing: she she shot nine total free throws in that game. Yeah, it just felt like she was always at the line or always generating calls. Like she just. 
But you have that effect, right? Like that's you can just tell she's a star. Like if you had someone who's never watched women's basketball watch five minutes of an Iowa game, they would correctly be able to identify her as the best player mm-hmm. and probably be like, Yeah, she's really good relative to everyone else, right? And she the and the, the the thing is, and by the way, she hit one three pointer in that entire game. They scored ninety five points and she hit one three. That's incredible. Um but she can she could be that player that you can look and go that's the best player on the court undoubtedly and she won't shoot the ball that that's without her shooting the ball now here's the thing as Husker fans get ready for her to come to Lincoln because that that's a sellout on Super Bowl Sunday at lunchtime they're gonna oh, yeah? they're gonna they're gonna be pretty uh, aggressive about Caitlin Clark because of the things that we see where we're not blinded to it by. If she was ours, yeah, we, we'd probably be blinded to some of the stuff and be like, yep, she's ours, whatever, we love it. But when she drops a shoulder into Jazz Shelley, when she complains about a call because somebody actually got aggressive defensively with her, that's the part that makes it so much harder for opposing fan bases to be all in on having to love her as the player. Uh, undoubtedly, she's doing great things for the sport and women's athletics, but I think PBA is going to be rocking. It's not going to, there will obviously be a lot of, Iowa fans here because we're closer for the west the folks on the western side of Iowa. I think that place is going to be rocking and there's going to be some booze early for Caitlin Clark. Oh yeah, I mean it there's no doubt about it. And allow me to go full Jack Mitchell here, which is not something I have. Oh, please. Please. You know, it's not a thing you really want to do, but sometimes <laughs> you get to that dark place. Let the hate flow. Yes. I mean, I did it. I did it on Sunday night with Detroit. You know, I didn't care that it was a feel-good story. I don't care that they've never been to a Super Bowl. I don't care that it'll just completely decimate a city that just needs something good <laughs> to feel good about. None of that matters to me. You can absolutely, if you were there or if you were watching from home, you can absolutely boo and hate everything about Iowa and feel okay about it because sports hate is not like real life hate. You're not going to have to go to jail over it. Now, there's a line. There's things that absolutely should not be said in the arena or, quite frankly, at your home with nobody else around. But you can certainly root and root heavily against Caitlin Clark, whether it's this game or every game, because you should hate Iowa with every fiber of your being from the moment that you wake up until the moment that you go to bed. You can hate them. It is okay. I give you permission. Hate them with everything that you have and get up and do it again tomorrow and do it the day after that. <laughs> that is what sports is. It's not, oh, we're all going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. No, it's never been that. It is unbridled hatred towards your fellow man for wearing a slightly different shirt than you. That is what it's about. I encourage it and I hope people show it heavily on uh, Sunday. Mike, that's and honestly, that's the last thing separating um, the support for women's athletics from men's athletics. And we, we see it with volleyball with Texas and Nebraska, the hatred in the fan bases. And I'm here for it like you are. Uh, Mike, we, we got to go, but we'll, we'll talk again next week when Jack's back here. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. And everyone, just keep that hate near and dear and let it flow. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Wrapping up a Monday, big thank you to Doug Fitzgerald for coming in, hanging out with us this morning. Chris Blum from the Heartland Cancer Foundation. Mike Schaefer, obviously, right there, Husker 24-7. Also, Chris Kaborik 
from the University of Nebraska. He's the interim president. Quick concert announcement. Hozier with Allison Russell at PBA Wednesday, August 14th. Tickets on sale Friday, February 2nd. Heart at PBA Sunday, August 18th. Again, tickets on sale this Friday. Doug and I will be back with you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock on LNK Today.